Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Blockhash Podcast. We have another great episode for you today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and follow wherever you are tuning in. Hold tight for just a second as we play a quick advertisement and countdown video while we wait for everyone to join. Thank you and we hope that you enjoy the episode. What's up, everyone? Good afternoon. Welcome back to Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 319. Today, we have a wonderful guest in Paul Jenkins here to talk about what he's doing in the Web3 and NFT space. This guy is a jack of all trades when it comes uh, to, to creating content, to writing. He's worked in the comic space. He's worked in the video game space. He's in the Web3 space now. Um, this guy has done it all across media. And uh, we're going to let Paul tell us more about himself and his endeavors today. Paul, welcome to the show, man. Super happy to have you here. Thanks, Brandon. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Looking forward to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Me too. Um, tell me a bit about yourself and your background just to kind of get started, give people a bit of a famili familiarity with what you've done in the past, uh, leading up to today a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I came to the States. I'm from Great Britain and I came to the States when I was young. I was 20 years old. Um, and I happened to, you know, I, I had studied music and drama. I was teaching music and drama to learning disabled children here in the States. And um, I happened to meet some guys that had a black and white comic book and it turned out to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And so I became the third employee of, of Mirage Studios and we did Ninja Turtles and it blew up. Right. We started in a tiny little office in Northampton, Massachusetts, and it just exploded. So I was kind of caught in the maelstrom. And I've often said, I think, you know, that, that was incredibly lucky. Right. But, you know, you're 20, 21 years old. Do you sink or swim? And I just happened to be able to swim with it. Um, so I went from there and, you know, we did all of that stuff. I had become an editor in chief of, of, of over there, but also, you know, worked in licensing. Um, I then went to be an editor in chief for a couple of other companies. And then, uh, you know, at a certain point, I happened to be the editor for Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman and some plenty amazing people in, in the comic book space. Um, and I was in a conversation with Alan one time and I just talked with him about potentially being a writer. So I went down to San Diego Comic-Con and I broke into comics as a writer. The only way that you can't do it, which is I, I went to the editor of a book called Hellblazer and said, uh, do you need a writer? And he said, yeah, have you written anything? And I said, honestly, not really. Uh, no, but they gave me the job. Um, and then I went to Marvel when they were in bankruptcy and I wrote some stuff that that won, you know, an Eisner Award. Um, I wrote the origin of Wolverine for them. Um, I created a character called The Sentry. I did a lot of stuff, you know, that worked out really well that essentially has become fundamental in their films. Um, and so, you know, even at that same time, I wasn't satisfied working in comics because I really felt that the video game industry was not telling stories properly and it, it needed to and it didn't take itself seriously. So I started working on innovation in game design. Um, I, I have a background in film, you know, I've directed animation, uh, you know, do animation. Um, and then, you know, what I found is that I really began to look at new media. And if you think, you know, early 90s, 
video games in a sense were new media and storytelling was a new form of art. So these days I often speak at futurism conventions about the future of storytelling. Hopefully we can chat a little bit about that and how it relates to the Web3 space. Absolutely. You're kind of like this master of storytelling across across media. Um, and that's really cool to see, you know, develop over the years and into, you know, Web3, which is, you know, this emerging space and technology. How, how did you come to find yourself wrapped up in, in Web3 and NFTs? Did you stumble across it per happenstance? Did someone introduce it to you? How did yeah. that become like the next step for you? Well, you know, I was contacted by a good friend of mine, Joe Sichter, who used to be the head of uh, um, Disney's Digital Interactive Labs. Um, and Joe and I had been talking about like virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, I wasn't a big proponent of virtual uh, because I didn't think it would. I, I mean, I, I like it. Right. And it's interesting. But I felt that eventually human beings would really want augmented reality storytelling. Um, so I was brought into Disney to kind of talk to some of the higher ups up there and to consult and also to talk to Joe um, a little bit. And we tried to get one of their projects uh, off the ground in, in the augmented and virtual reality space. Now the project we were doing, uh, which is quite funny, was Tron, um, which is the virtual reality project that Disney has. And they just weren't going for it because that belonged to the film people and they didn't want to do it, but they wanted to concentrate on other IP to see if it could be, done in virtual space and and just so counterintuitive right um that's crazy how could they not go for tron that's like the embodiment right because of rights issues and this is exactly what the problem is with 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 our industries and with you know the entertainment industry sometimes anyway joe is a great guy and he called me up we, we had obviously wanted to work together to innovate and he called me up you know um, maybe two, three years ago. And he said, Paul, you know, what do you know about NFTs? And I said, listen, man, the answer is nothing, but let's go. They brought me into a project. Um, there was a new company forming called NFT Genius, and they had a project called Bitcoin Origins. They wanted to tell the story. And so I looked at the form of Web3 and I looked at what I felt it was. And I'm like, you know, this thing can tell a story as like treasure hunts, time travel stories, we could do all kinds of stuff with mutable assets. So as usual, I'm bitten off more I can chew, right? I'm looking at the potential of the industry and I'm trying to work out, you know, can we do things in storytelling that will really push the envelope? Um, and we did, you know, we did Bitcoin Origins and it, it just, uh, we did the first moment. It felt like the Inhumans that I did for Marvel, did the first moment and people kind of liked it. Um, the artist uh, was mute. Mute is a guy who is he's from Peru. He's an amazing human being. And he, he I think he finished like second uh, to Beeple the year that Beeple won the, the best artist in NFTs thing. Mute finished second. Right. Um, of, of course, you can't quantify who's best, but he's an amazing artist. We did Bitcoin Origins and it blew up. And by moment three, it was selling out within seconds. So it was crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, it's interesting to see how nfts have had its finger i think on a lot of different industries out there from music to media uh to movies to uh trading cards and digital collectibles and mm. and now like storytelling i think is a really interesting natural progression for it and you started something called meta studios and mm. you guys are working on your own projects around this kind of combining storytelling and narratives and nfts can you explain kind of what the idea is behind that and maybe some of the things you're working on? 
Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hate to be disagreeable, but I kind of disagree about one thing that you said, which is, you know, it's not time now for story to be part of it. It was always mm -hmm. time. And I think it was fundamentally the misstep that we took in this business, first of all, was that we didn't realize that the most useful utility that people could look to would be storytelling in this space. Um, so what happened was a lot of people, you know, we had the boom and a lot of people were obviously, it felt like the dot-com bubble of the mid to late 90s, right? You know, where everybody's like, we could make websites. Let's get a $30 million private sale or something. And money was kind of flowing in. And then, of course, what happened with dot-com, the bubble burst because bubbles burst, right? So mm -hmm. we had this bubble. And what should have been happening, and I think what we were doing with Bitcoin Origins we were telling stories and saying storytelling is the utility. You're talking about staking and all this other kind of stuff. Those are all super valuable. And, and the potential for blockchain is, is amazing. It can do all of these interesting things. To me, I wanted to do things like mutable assets, send out, you know, instead of just burning an NFT, send out an NFT that on a certain day of the, the year, for example, suddenly it looks different for a day. And then it changes back and you're telling a story with that. You know, you might do a time travel story where reality changes and, and your, you know, your NFT changes for that day. And then it, and then it comes back. Right. So I felt that we were missing an opportunity, even though Bitcoin Origins was doing well in the storytelling space. So to get to your your uh, question, my company is called Meta, Meta Studios. Um, we actually were founded in 2014, so we beat Zuckerberg by about six years, seven. Um, I was actually really annoyed when he called his company Meta. So what, <laughs> can, you do? what can you do, right? Um, right and right. it's an acronym. It stands for Media, Education, Technology, and Advancement. And the idea being that, you know, I do media. Um, I care about education. I think it's really important. And I don't mean like spinach education. We're just telling people you know, one plus one equals two and all that kind of stuff. It's more like helping people learn from seeing and doing and participating, right? Uh, T is for technology and the A is for advancement because my entire career I've spent um, being an advocate for creators and creators' rights. So, you know, look at this space, right? This is a space where creators can thrive, um, but they need some guidance. They need some help. And so that's part of what we we try to do as well. No, that's awesome. And I love to see the progression in, in your work and now, you know, getting bold and ambitious and going for it with Meta mm. Studios. Mm. Um, and I've seen a lot from your project, Another Path. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about maybe the objective that you want to accomplish there and also what that kind of is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so here's the thing, right? You know, like one mm -hmm. thing that seems very natural, Brandon, don't you think that like comic books actually work in this space quite well you know they're they're a great oh, yeah. way to tell a story they're very economical people like collectibles um but not being a satisfied kind of person i'm like okay let's do comic books that have an, atta an attachment to a treasure hunt that is tied to collectibles so with bitcoin origins that was very successful it was on the wax network um you know we did a treasure hunt that had these really cool collectibles that that mute did right the art was brilliant it had its rarities and its collectability. It had its stuff, right? Um, and and all along, you know, what I really want to do is to take the form, which is Web3. What can this medium do? 
Well, this medium can do treasure hunts and we love that. So we brought a treasure hunt, which is the another path side of our project. Um, if anyone wants to go to anotherpath.net, you can see um, like a treasure hunt. And obviously we have our, our Discord server. But the goal was always to tell a really cool story because story is everything. Like story is what I do. So another path was, was the treasure hunt side of it. And people began to learn and unfold like an onion, you know, like peeling the layers of an onion. They began to see and find things. And we're lined up to get launched on, on, uh, on April 2nd, uh, which is 4-2. And the number 42 is very important to us, as, as people will find if they get there. Underneath that, that treasure hunt sits right next to the main project. And we just started announcing the main project. It's called Quantumverse. And what I care about is speaking to the audience that lives inside this space, right? So Quantumverse is very much an allegory. It's a little bit of like, we know that we are living in the environment of the machine at the moment, you know? Um, I'm an old punk, right? Look, there's the gray hair, <laughs> right? And so <laughs> I grew up distrusting government in, in all of its forms and distrusting centralized banking and and all of these people that are like we've allowed the opportunity to be our decision makers who then come to us and make horrible decisions for us right i i, I loathe it i've hated it all my life and here we are in this space where people are crying out for decentralization so the the, the um the story behind quantumverse is that we are at a point in history and this is true by the way you know where we're looking at, at the rise of ai and we're looking at what it what it means and what it does and there are all these like apocalyptic stories of, you know, the machines take over and Arnold Schwarzenegger shows up and like kills people, you know, right? And, and, and it's been described as a thing called the singularity, the moment that we can't go back, right? The moment that the machines take over. But there's actually a more insidious part of this, which is called the soft singularity, which I believe we're now in. And, it, and it's the part where humanity gets to the point where it can't avoid the singularity. Unless we change, right, unless we do things differently, we won't be able to avoid it. So we're going to experience a singularity just like we're going to experience all of this climate change, all of the wars and famine, all of the crazy stuff that we're watching. And the machine that in the fiction is basically nurturing this and making it happen. It's responsible for all of this difficulty. It's responsible for people's cognitive dissonance and manipulating people so that it can get itself to a place of prominence and then basically run everything. And into all of this, there are 12 clans um, that throughout history, throughout the last 2000 years, all of these incredible people like Einstein and Leonardo da Vinci and Tisibius and Sun Tzu have all really seen that machine is inevitably going to happen. So just before everything kicks off, which is right now in history, we take all of our coding and we throw it all off up into space. We put it on the asteroids. We hide it from the machine so it can't get it. And that coding is done in, and hidden in the form of cryptocurrencies. Uh, so it's kind of cool. It works, obviously, with, with this crowd. Um, the fiction speaks to our crowd. The treasure hunt itself, people can actually win cryptocurrency. They can win NFTs. We give stuff away all the time. And that is the piece that unfolds every chapter. And as you unfold these chapters, the story itself gets bigger and bigger. And then the last thing is that we just announced that uh, with Quantumverse, you know, we dropped the trailer. And we announced that there's going to be a comic book every month because I see a lot of projects that have wanted to do comics. Um, but, you know, I'm used to doing five comics a month for like someone like Marvel. Right. So making comics is something that should be expected. And so we're going to drop a chapter of it every month. 
That's really cool. So is the treasure hunt taking place through the collection of the NFTs or through another medium? Yeah, it, it takes place through all of it, right? So think of okay. think of it as cross-media production, right? As all mm -hmm. media. You are going to get clues by coming to our website. You're going to get clues by coming to our Discord, right? Mm, I might say it. something that's a clue. Good luck, right? Yeah, I might be saying something right now. You never know, right? Oh, geez. I, I, I know Everyone pay I, attention. <laughs> I know that our fans are all, are all like, I guarantee you'll say something. He's going to drop something and we got to pay attention, <laughs> uh, which is brilliant, right? Because there's, mm -hmm. there's another side to this as well, right? And we'll talk about this in a second, which is community and how important that is, right? So you go to the website, you, you see the stuff in our uh, Discord, but in the cards, you'll collect clues, right? So we'll drop the cards and there'll be the sale and people will get them every month. There'll be the collectability. There's the rarities. It's a very similar thing to the way we did Bitcoin Origins. But hidden in the cards, our, our fans already know, right? There are tons of clues and opportunities to win uh, prizes. Now, every month, the way that we do it is we, we actually do smaller ones that are hidden every month. Sometimes you can just win it by participating. You can be there. There's a raffle. So, so you don't have to do the treasure hunt in order to experience another path. But you can sit there and just sit back and like watch the hunters because the hunters love it, right? They are like mm -hmm. fully in depth, like doing the solutions to this. Or you can try to join in. And every five chapters is called a saga. There are three of them. And then there's the entire story. And I'll tell you right now, but you know, the, the hunters already know this. There is a huge meta puzzle hidden underneath it. There is a secret solution to this puzzle. No one has a clue. And there are two people in the world who know the solution to the puzzle. And so people can try to solve that puzzle. But as they're messing around with it, you can come in casually. You can collect the stuff which is done by Mute. So, you know, Mute is our artist. He's amazing. Um, he has a big following. People love his work. And, and again, you know, he's really highly rated in this in this industry. And as we do this, you can read the story and you can just participate. So there's like nine different avenues that you can come into this project for. I love the excitement behind it too. It creates a lot of curiosity. And um, I, I don't think you get that a lot in NFTs yet these days, maybe more in the future, but it's cool to see that integrated and uh, to get people to be more involved and interactive. And I want to come back to the community side of this as well. Is this something that's meant to be collaborative where you want people within the community to work together to figure it all out? Um, or is it also encouraging people to compete with each other and, you know, <laughs> everyone goes off and tries to figure it out on their own? How do you guys go about engaging the community to figure this out and solve the puzzle and come to the conclusion? Right. So the answer is yes. Right. Like, it's really <laughs> cool. This is what's so great about it. Is it, I certainly I will always look back fondly on Bitcoin Origins to say that's how it played out. You can do it by yourself if you want to, and that's fine, right? You can go in and you can solve puzzles. You can try and do it by yourself. But what we found was that once we nurtured a really cool community, people that actually kind of loved each other, you know, they really cared about each other, and they would start helping each other, and they would, they would say, I found it, I found it, and they would just kind of share their idea. You know, they'd share the clue. They'd throw out ideas to each other. They would go down rabbit holes that you couldn't believe. It was amazing, right? Watching people just loving the idea of like making stuff, right? So, you know, the answer is yes, because you can collaborate. And what we found was most people wanted to collaborate. And I'll always speak really fondly of this with Bitcoin Origins, that at a certain point, we got to a moment there where we were giving away one Bitcoin. 
And there were five finalists that got into the last thing. And each one of the five finalists wrote to our project independently and said, I just want to let you know, if, if I win, I'd rather share it with the other four people because we've all got here, right? That's pretty cool, right? That's the community that I want. And I think that, you know, when you, when you look in communities, there are some really, really great ones. And our one is burgeoning right now. It's experiencing some pretty good growth because we're really in the point of pushing the project. But what's cool about it is that people genuinely come in. I don't tolerate discussions of politics. I don't tolerate discussions of like ugly stuff. It's not that we're trying to you know, force feed anybody. It's just like those are the rules of our community. Come in and don't be a dick. Be nice. Right. right? Like there's so much amazing stuff hidden throughout history in our projects. That There's so much that we could all talk about. And we are all being gaslit to be angry on the Internet. And so I said, I'm going to rebel against that. This is the place where, hey, listen, you can have an opinion. That's fine. But this is the place where you come and you can actually relax and exhale and go, isn't this fun? Or, wow, what a cool thing that we're doing. Look at this comic. Or, hey, I think I found a clue. I love the fact that people mm -hmm. run in like, Eureka, I found it. And then they come in with some crazy clue. And it, it wasn't a clue, but it's a fun rabbit hole, you know? Yeah, it's, it's cool to have a place a space and a community where people can kind of get away from life, you know, and yeah. immerse themselves in a completely different world and a completely different story. Yeah. And, you know, those are the things that actually bring a lot of people together in life because um, there's so many things out there that are divisive. Yeah. It's nice to have a place where people can be virtually or physically. And, you know, you can go into this world together and, do something that's collaborative or competitive and come to an end goal together and, and have fun. And it's like, again, the evolution of like what media has done for people and what TV and movies and music. It's really cool what you guys are working on. And it's cool to see the community really flourish around that too. Um, I want to get your opinion as well on maybe the future of interactivity with NFTs. Um, because you guys are kind of pioneering that a little bit. And NFTs can represent so many different kinds of mediums, uh, whether it's video, audio, a GIF, or a meme, or something that's static versus something multifaceted, or that can change over time. Um, you know, and since you're helping pioneer it, what are your thoughts on that? How do you see NFTs evolving uh, storytelling, maybe? Right. So, um, I mean, you're in my wheelhouse now, man, because this is what I want to talk about. You know, like this is mm -hmm. the stuff, right? Look, for a while I was working on a sports project that didn't come around, right? But it's a shame because I look at NFTs and I'm like, you know, I've spoken for years about like value. Like what value does an NFT have? And there was all this debate, right? What value did Beeple's amazing piece of art that sold for 65 million have, right? I can think of a million pieces of value it had. It, it was a culmination of years of work, uh, of, of like daily or weekly, like, you know, exhibitions of his stuff, right? Um, you know, you have value because you tell a story. You have value because of the perception of value. And so the question that you might ask yourself is, you know, how much value does a piece of paper have? Well, I haven't had one here. How much value does that piece of paper have? It's, got, it's worth $5. How much value does a piece of cardboard have? A square piece of cardboard about this big. Nothing, right? Unless it has a picture of Babe Ruth on it, you know, and then, and then it's a collectible and it's worth a lot of money. 
So how much value does a JPEG have? I don't know. There are plenty of them, right? But how much value does a particular type of JPEG have? Well, an NFT can be a key, which is what I've always seen them as being, a key to an experience and a bunch of other stuff, right? So that JPEG now isn't just a JPEG, is it? It's It's got value beyond that. So think of what we would do. We, we have collectibles that have clues in it that are part of the story that you can sort of win a prize if you've got the right mint number. Usually if you mint number 42, you're probably getting something for free in our project. So, you know, we have all these opportunities to do incredible things, right? And I think the, the part that we, we didn't pay attention to early in this was that we, we made a lot of promises. A lot of people said, hey, come be part of my project, be part of my community. I'm going to give you value, right? And to me, I, the, the moment I started seeing that, I was like, listen, we, we better start being careful here, right? Because we're about to have a lot of people that will tell everyone that they have value but don't have any value because they can't produce any value. So one of the things I think that we should all expect, right, is, you know, what do you get from a project? Uh, in our project, for example, we are going initially without doing a drop, we'll go on sale first, right? Why, why do we want to do that? Because we need the financing fully in place uh, so that we can deliver the project. You know, we've got to pay the artists and the producers and the people that make the project. Uh, uh, you know, and I put a lot of my own money in to invest in this, right? So instead of telling someone, hey, you're going to get these things in the future, that's not the only thing. You know, when they come into our project, um, we've already printed up a, bu a bunch of like hardcover graphic novels that are like really beautiful. So when someone comes into ours, they get physical product in, in place. These are the types of things that I think we should always adhere to, right? We should look at what the value is that we're being given, and we should demand that that value is actually given to us for our investment. Because a lot of this was talked about and a lot of these questions were raised by people. Hey, if we're going to go in this kind of decentralized world where no one's in control, that's fantastic. But it's not as fantastic when somebody walks off with your money, right? There has to be like a mix of some of this stuff. And that's the bit that I think that we, we missed but it is also the greatest opportunity that we have, which is to tell stories using unique ways of telling them, right? We missed that opportunity by and large, but I think now we're back on track where, you know, the survivors are surviving and, you know, we're doing the best that we can. And I think, I think you know, if we can just see that people should expect the kind of thing that I'm doing with Another Path and with Quantumverse, right? They should say, do I get physical product? Am I going to get regular content? The question for us is, will we survive to deliver it all? And the answer is, that's going to be up to the audience, right? When they come into our project, they're going to invest at the beginning, which is kind of, it's not an investment because obviously that is, you know, that's, that's a bunch mm -hmm. of SEC regulations and so on. But in a sense, emotionally invest, I suppose is the fair way to put it, right? They come in, they, they pay for something and they get sent that thing, you know, like you get physical product and here's our development, here's our roadmap, here's our plan. And what we saw, and you have to, I mean, you don't have to agree, but hopefully you agree, is that essentially there were a load of projects that gave a roadmap that promised a thing. And that road went this far and fell off a cliff. And, and the trick now is to avoid doing that ever again. Yeah, I agree in regards to roadmaps. And I've talked to a billion different projects and protocols and people out there and so many of them over promise and under deliver. Mm -hmm. And 
it's not always their fault, but a lot of the times it is just because of the overambition of it and just not being honest. It's better to have a short-sighted roadmap and just be very clear where you're at than to paint one five years down the line and say, we're going to do all these great things without a clear path. Um, yeah, so totally kind of get that and, and follow you with that. Um, another question, in terms of you know the future of Meta Studios and where you want to take it, is it something you guys want to be independent as a studio creating new things with NFTs and Web3 in the future? Or do you want it to eventually partner maybe with a large studio in the media space? Um, that's an interesting question, right? Because I have had so much experience with larger studios, right? You know, mm -hmm. I've been involved with Marvel and Disney, Warner Brothers, Sony. You know, there is a certain benefit to that, which is their distribution and their reach. There's a certain problem with it, which is the institutionalized dysfunction that comes with those companies, right? Um, you know, and I think the, the 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 example we gave earlier, trying to work with Disney on Tron and finding out that Tron wasn't available for VR is about as dumb as it gets. Right? <laughs> uh, what a shame, right? Mm -hmm. So the answer is that we want to remain independent. Right. We want to. We're not we're not against partnering. And in fact, in my life, you know, I have a bunch of stuff that is with big corporate, you know, corporations. Right. Um, um, you know, I have I have st stuff that's been in Marvel films. I have a project right now, you know, that that we have a contract for to build in one of the major streamings. Right. So, you know, I create media for that stuff. But if you ask me, what do I really want to do? I want to go and control my own destiny. It's the whole point of Meta Studios, right? I want to be mm -hmm. able to kind of ask the audience, look, you know, I do this, I do this, I build this kind of story. We, we bring it to you and it speaks to the form. What do people like in the space? They love the idea that they're in control of their own destiny, right? People want to get away from the centralization. The story that we're doing is literally about 12 clans in the future, Right. And there's these mm -hmm. giant spaceships that roam the solar system because they now it's 200 years in the future and they're all flying around. And each ship is dedicated to one form of humankind. So one ship is the ship of the creators. One is the ship of the builders. One is the ship of, of um, well, here's a little alpha for you. One is the ship of the philosophers. You'll see that next. Right. There's there's all these aspects of humankind and they're all concentrated to protect that idea inside these ships. Now, then, if you take it to our project and you go into our server, you'll see that you can get to choose which one do you want to be? What, what do you see yourself as? Are you a builder? Are you a researcher? Are you a creative person? Are you one of the others? And then, of course, there's the requisite one, which is the one that everybody will want to be, but nobody can get into, which is the, the 12th and final kind of clan. Each of them are identified by the color. Each of them you can be a part of and collaborate with your clan but you can also just talk to the other clans and work together to solve the puzzle and to build the story and all that. That's the whole point of the story. And it really, really speaks to what we're experiencing at the moment in the world, right? Which is none of us want to be dealing with this crap. It's awful to watch all of this money and resources being sent, not to the 1% anymore, but to the 0.1% who control everything while we sit there powerless and we watch like, banks like centralized banks failing because of stupidity and greed and it's just a constant story that's only ever happened in our world and i think the the groove and the vibe of the people in our audience you know who watching this show and talking about this stuff is no more 
which is why I said, because I'm old enough to be able to do it, that DGen is the new punk. That's what it is. Absolutely. I, I could see this turning into like an actual TV show one day or an actual movie and having that interactivity where maybe during the movie or during the TV show, there's an opportunity to interact through an NFT somehow. Yeah, Have you absolutely. thought maybe that's how it could evolve at some point? Uh, listen, we can do all kinds of things if we put our mind to it, but it's all about financing, right? What, what sure. the major corporations can finance is innovation. They've got the money, right? So here's mm -hmm. the kind of thing I would like to do. Imagine you read a comic and you see a glowing panel in that comic. I want you to be able to touch that comic, right? Touch that glowing panel because we all understand that language. We all play video games. Touch that panel. And if it's a door, the door opens and you go through that door and find something. Right. I want you to be able to have your NFT and it's a key to a bunch of stuff. What's it a key to? Well, it's going to be a key to the future of Meta Studios. Right. Like we want to do new projects right now. I'm currently writing uh, four or five projects with a company called Cometh. Um, Cometh released the first of our books recently and it did really, really well. So they're setting themselves up to be like a comic book distributor with all of the avenues to like collectability and you know burn this and open these boxes here and here's some mint numbers and, and all the stuff right because instead of having the individual projects just make their own content um you know they can make their content bring it to their audience and then put it up on cometh and sell it as well right so we do have this opportunity to move away from that centralized form even of distribution of content right move away from it now, I don't mind it being a TV show, but you're right. It needs to be that kind of show. It needs to be a video game that you can actually do. You can play it as a game. You can read it as a book. You can just calm down and just browse it if you want to. Or you can watch a TV show. It should be all of those things. And we should expect all of those things because we're totally capable of doing all of those things. And the reason that we don't right now is almost always because of financing. No one will finance a film that is tied to a video game. And it just drives me crazy. Yeah, I, I, I know there's so many good stories told in video games, too, and I'm surprised not more of them are like made into movies and TV shows. There's only been a few that are actually have and have been really good. I, um, I can like tell the you why. La the Last of Us was was one that yeah. recently came out on HBO Max. And, um, yeah. it's, they stuck almost directly to the video game, and it was really good, I think. like It drove a little bit of controversy, I think, in political opinions, but I, I liked it. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Well, I can tell you why, right? So, you know, I used to work at a film studio nearby. Obviously, I live in Atlanta. I live in the Atlanta area. Uh, and, you know, we're the biggest filmmaking state there is. It's, it's surprising. Obviously, people think of L.A., which is where the center of, you know, the center of, like, the culture and the, the, the financing and so on is. But if you want to make a film, you're probably making a Marvel movie in Atlanta, right? So I used to work mm -hmm. at a film studio here. And one time we had a bunch of students come in, and I said, hands up who has ever seen a video game um, that got made into a film and all the kids raised their hand. I said, no, good one. And they all put their hands down because the fact is that those two businesses refuse to work to each together, right? They won't, you know, get the game manufacturers are frustrated because every time they hand it over to the film people, the film people, you know, basically take their project and sort of do something with it that the game makers didn't want. The film people don't trust the game makers because they, because the game makers essentially don't often understand um, what the filmmakers need to do, which is which is fair, right? There are certain things you have to do as a filmmaker that you can't do in a game. So that's why there was never this collaboration between the studios. But there is a collaboration if a creator like myself makes all of it. And that's why I think, you know, we're in a bit of a unique position with Meta because, because we can make all of those things. And we have, we have a track record of having been involved with all of them. So the idea would be 
to start in the space and live here right now, right? Make the comics that we can make, make the collectibles, do the treasure hunt and build the project. Because in the end, the answer will come from the fans. They'll say, we want this thing and they will support it with their crypto and dollars. And if they do, we get to exist. And if we don't do a good job or if they don't, we just don't get to exist. We, we, we eat what we catch with freelancers. It's more power to the audience these days, huh? It's, it's, it's right. super cool to see the community that much more involved. Yeah. Um, where can people go to learn more about Meta Studios if they want to see the projects you guys are working on or keep up to date or join the community? Where would you direct them? Yeah, <laughs> you will you'll, you hit me with the worst one because we literally took down our <laughs> website because we hated it, right? And so we said, mm -hmm. hey, we're under construction. Sorry, give us a minute. You know, we'll go redo this thing because we didn't like it. Um, it, it wasn't telling our story properly, which, you know, we're supposed to be storytellers. So if you go to metastudios.com, M-E-T-A, metastudios.com, you'll find a thing that says we're under construction and here's who we are. But I do think that, you know, people can come by anotherpath.net. You can follow us on Twitter at anotherpath42. Um, you'll get a flavor of what we do with Another Path, which is the, the treasure hunt and Quantumverse, which is the big saga story that we're doing that's tied to the treasure hunt. So come to our Discord server, you know, come to um, anotherpath.net. You get the link um, to be part of our server. We did an AMA the other day. We dropped the trailer that you saw, and our audience went flying up. So we're going to keep dropping stuff. We'll keep announcing the new clans. People will come and ally themselves. And then they'll get the initiatives, right? They can come and say, okay, I want to be a, a creator. You know, I want to be a builder. I, I love that idea. That speaks to me. And hopefully one of the 12 will be something that someone says, that is me fundamentally. And then they're part of it, right? Uh, I say one of the 12, one of the 11. Everyone will want to be one of the, 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 the top clan, uh, but you mm -hmm. can't because they went missing. So... Gotcha. What about you? Can people follow you online? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a, uh, my Paul Jenkins on Twitter. Um, I'm pretty sure you can find me on Facebook somewhere. Uh, and, you know, me and social media, it's sort of like I'm not a shill guy. So you're likely to find pictures of something that my cat dragged in because <laughs> <laughs> he's like the star of the show. Mm -hmm. No worries at all. Um, guys, make sure to go check out Paul. Check out uh, Meta Studios, wherever you can find it, check out Another Path. Uh, everything that they're working on is very exciting. Get involved, do the treasure hunt, join the community. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the video and to the podcast as well. Paul, thank you for taking the time to come on the show today. It's been a great episode. Learned a lot. And I think we had a really, really fun conversation. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate it. Great to be here. Absolutely. Uh, take care. We'll talk again soon. And you know, best of luck with everything.